Everyone loves old-time radio, TV, movies, and serials and more, and cartoons, but everybody thinks it is for older people. Well, here's my grandson. Hey, kids. I like old-time radio because it allows me to use my imagination. We've talked a lot about imagination. It's not just for the young. It's for older people, too, to either get it again or keep it going. These shows can be a great source of family fun. My grandpa, Dennis, and me watch old movies and TV shows. My favorite is Batman and the Incredible Hulk. On August the 1st, I'll be taking a break to think and recharge. Now is the time to get one or all of the collections that I have available. Go to oldtimeradiodvd.com today. You'll be glad you did. Victoria Police Force presents V24. From the files of the Victoria Police, for the first time come these true stories of unceasing war against crime, of day and night vigilance that protect our life and our property, and of the nerve center of the Police Information Bureau, V24. Look at my hands, Tony, and never forget them. They are hands that will crush the man who comes between me and Elena. You talk like a madman. Perhaps, but you should always be very careful of a madman. This is the true story of the hobnailed boots. This is a true story from the files of the Victoria Police. Only names, place names, and dates have been altered. At midnight in dense mountain country to the northeast of Melbourne, the dogs were barking. They were barking so loudly that the struggles and cries of a man near death could not be heard above the din. Barking so that the fleeing steps of a killer scrambling through the undergrowth could not be heard. And when the barking stopped, there was nothing. No sound, that is. But deep in the soft earth on the edge of a small lagoon, were the imprints of heavy boots, heavy hobnailed boots that had been worn by a man who'd taken another man's life. The death of Antonio Malatti was a great shock to the Italian community that worked together in those Victorian mountains. But Tony was young, good-looking and popular. Ah, that was beautiful. And now you will sing one more, yes? Ah, come on, Tony. No, 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 please, please, no. It is time we danced again. Oh, there's plenty of time for dancing. 
but we do not hear enough of your song. Oh, but, Caro, I am tired. Today I worked so hard. Tomorrow I must work again. Oh, then, if you are too tired to sing, you will be too tired to dance with my daughter, eh? Oh, no, no, I could never be too tired for that. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. You, you do not understand. Uh, to sing for me is like hard work, but to dance with Elena, oh, that is like heaven. <laughs> then, uh, then we do it this way. You sing one song. And after that, you have my permission to dance with Elena. Oh. <laughs> and what if I don't give him my permission? Oh, you, you would not refuse me. Oh, I did not say that. But I am no chattel to be bartered for a song. Oh, 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 oh <laughs> there's a girl for you. <laughs> oh, just like her mother. <laughs> but uh, if I sang a song just for you, Elena, would you dance with me then? Sung your song, simply ask me again. Oh. Uh, my friends, I have changed my mind. I will sing again just one little song. Oh, good for you, Charlie. Good uh, for you. It, it is a song of love. you think? I do not like her to dance with you. So? You think I am not good enough to dance with Elena, eh? You think that because I work in the fields while you stand behind your carpenter's bench, you are a better man, huh? That is not right. No, it is not right. Tony, Bruno, please. One minute, Elena. Tony's a fine-looking young man, eh? He sings and he makes love so well, huh? Bruno. And I am ugly. No, no, Bruno. Oh, yes, I am ugly. My hands are rough and I do not wear the fine clothes like Tony. Oh, you're crazy. Perhaps. But I say this to you, Tony, that I am as good a man as you are. And one of these days I will prove it to you. One of these days I... I am going. 
I will not stay here and listen to these things. No, wait a little. No, I came here tonight to enjoy myself. I have no favorites. I would dance with each of you in turn as I would dance with all my friends here. I am not yours, Bruno, or Tony's. So I will dance with someone else. Oh, you... you great fool. I have warned you, Tony. She is mine. You heard her say she belonged to no one. At the moment, perhaps. But you forget that I see her every day. That I work at her father's farm. She would never be yours. No? We will see. Look at my hands, Tony. Well? You see how very big and strong they are? They are the hands of a gorilla. Call them that if you like. But never forget this. They are hands that will crush the man who comes between me and Elena. Ah, you, you talk like a madman. Then you should be careful of a madman. So do not forget these hands, Tony. Do not forget them. Ah. Uh, that will do for the time, Bruno. It is hot in the sun. Do just sit down for a while. I am not tired, Carol. Uh, you are never tired. But you are much younger and stronger than I am. Be patient and sit with me for a little while. Whatever you say. <sighs> Carol. Hmm. Yes, Bruno? Uh, you know I am a good, uh, strong worker. I've been here for many years and I've never had a better man. You would like that uh, I work for you always? I would give you anything so that you would stay with me. So... You do not think of leaving me, Bruno. I'm young. I have to look to the future. Oh, there is a future for you on my farm. Ah, but it is lonely, Caro. Oh, for a while, yes. But uh, one day you'll find yourself a bride. Then we'll build you a house of your own. And uh, you will not be lonely. You would do that for me? Oh, you are a rough man, Bruno. But you work hard. And oh, I do not wish to lose you. Then I will stay with you always. You mean that? I will stay with you always if you will give me your daughter. Elena? Let me marry Elena, Caro. Then we will build that house and she will never be far away from me. Elena? I uh, never thought of you. Elena? Do you love her, Bruno? For me, she is the whole world. If I cannot have her, I, w I would rather be dead. Uh, I did not realize. Does, uh, does Elena love you, Bruno? I will make her love me. Oh. Then you have not spoken to her. Oh, it was only right that I should speak to you first. I would never stand in the way of my daughter's happiness. Then you give her to me? Well, that is something I cannot do, Bruno. You cannot. Elena is a woman in her own right. She must make her own decisions. But if you approve, Carl... It is something for you and Elena alone. If you want to marry her, Bruno, do not ask me. Ask Elena. I 
do not know what to say. There is nothing I wouldn't do for you, Caro Mio. Nothing in the world. But uh, I have never even thought of marrying anyone, Bruno. Not even Tony. Tony? <laughs> oh, no. He is a dear, but we never talk of such things. But he's seen you many times lately. How do you know that? He has been here to your house. He has taken you to the dances and the picture shows. I do not like people spying on me, Bruno. But I am not a spy. Then how do you know so much of my movements? Because I've been sad when you've refused to go out with me. And I've had nothing to do, so I have just wandered around. Sometimes I've seen you and Tony together. You have made it your business to see us together. And that is something I do not like. But, Elena... I do not wish to see you again, Bruno. No. I will tell my father that he must get another man to help him with the work. No, Elena. Goodbye, Bruno. You really mean uh, goodbye? I really mean it. All right. I will go, Elena. I will go a long way from here. You will never see me again. But one day you may be sorry that you refuse to marry Bruno. So Bruno left the farm. But he was to return. This is a true story from the files of the Victoria Police. Only names, place names and dates have been altered. When Elena rejected Bruno and he left the district, no one expected that within a few months he would return. But he could not forget Elena and came back not to her father's farm, but to a boarding house in the township eight miles away. It didn't please him to find that Elena was now obviously attracted to Tony. And when, one night, he discovered that Tony was visiting the farm, Bruno decided to do something desperate. And in his massive frame was a cunning brain. He intended to commit a crime, but he did not intend to be caught. So he planned to create an alibi. And shortly after dinner in his boarding house, he set about doing just that. Excuse me, please, Mr. Williams, but I will not be able to play the cards with you tonight. You won't? Oh, I am sorry. I was so looking forward to our little game. I lost fourpence last night, you know, and I'm quite sure it's my turn to win. I am so sorry. <sighs> but I suppose you found some nice young girl. Uh, no, Mrs. Williams, uh, you do not understand. Oh, but... yes, I do. So don't you worry about me. Just you run along and see your girl. There is no girl, Mrs. Williams. Please believe me. There isn't? No, it's... Oh, it's just that I do not feel well. Oh, I am sorry to hear that. My body, it, oh, it aches in every part, and my head, oh, it gives me the terrible pain. How long have you felt like this? Oh, I've known it was coming on all the afternoon. Do you feel shivery, too? Yes, that is right. Uh, shivery all over. Oh, my poor man, you've got influenza. You should be in bed. That is what I was trying to tell you, Mrs. Williams. I'm going to bed. Of course you must go immediately, and I'll get you some aspirins and a hot water bottle.
Bruno knew, of course, that Mrs. Williams not only had a kind heart, but would soon let the entire boarding house know of his indisposition. That was just the way he wanted it. In point of fact, he never felt fitter in his life. And although he accepted the aspirins and inhalations and hot water bottles that were thrust upon him, he was very grateful when, at about half past ten, the lights in the boarding house went out and the whole establishment settled down for the night. Not long afterwards, he jumped out of bed, dressed in his working trousers and a lumber jacket, and with his hobnailed boots under his arm, crept out of the house. Once outside, he quickly put on his boots, armed himself with a heavy piece of wood, and hurried across country several miles, and took up a position beside a swamp not far from Elena's home. And there he waited until he heard footsteps he knew belonged to Tony. Tony. So, it is you. Now I kill you. I kill you for stealing my girl. Bruno, no! Bruno, you, you pulled me into the swamp. Yes, yes, I will do that. Let me up, Bruno! No, no, I am too strong for you. I hold your head under the water. You never take my girl again. No, you never take my girl again. Yes, Bruno was too strong and Tony would never take his girl again. For Tony was dead. Quickly picking up his victim, Bruno carried him through the night to a nearby river and there tossed the body to the mercy of the current. Then he hurried home to bed and waited until just before dawn to complete his alibi. Mrs. Williams. Mrs. Williams. Mrs. Williams. Whatever's the matter? Oh. Mrs. Williams, I... I feel so bad. Oh, you poor man. I am dying. I am going to die, Mrs. Williams. Oh, of course you're not. I'll look after you. Oh, the... the influenza. It has hit me bad. I... I am ache all over me. And my head will burst. Oh, dear. Oh, uh, do something for me, Mrs. Williams. Oh, if only we had a doctor in the town. But I've nursed five children, so I can nurse you too. Yes, yes. Please, Mrs. Williams. Now, just try and lie there quietly, and we'll have you right in next to no time. Quite a neat little trick, wasn't it? But Bruno was unlucky. For Tony's body was found that very same morning, having been caught in some blackberry bushes at the side of the river. Detectives were called from the nearest CIB. So he was drowned, eh? Mm, with a nasty knock on the side of his head, too. Any idea what he'd be doing near the river last night? No, none at all. He, he was visiting my daughter. He never went home this way. Which way did he go? Around by the swamp. Over there. Hmm. We'll go and see if there's anything to find near the swamp. 
There's been quite a struggle here lately by the looks of things. You mean someone was fighting here with Tony? Well, it's a bit too early to be sure of that. But uh, you can see where someone's been churning up the ground, can't you? Yes. Yes, I can. And someone who was here was wearing hobnailed boots. So? Yes, look there. And there. And over there, another distinct impression of a hobnail boot. Yes, you are right. Do you wear hobnail boots? Who? Me? Uh, yes, yes, I do. I suppose they're pretty common around here. Common? Yes, uh, quite a lot of people in the district wear them. Oh, yes, yes, that is right. Uh, never mind that for the moment. Well, what's this? Hmm. I wonder. Mister? You ever seen this piece of wood before? No, I do not think so. Be a nasty weapon in the wrong hands, wouldn't it? Yes. I'll bet this gave him that knock on the head. Fred. Yes? Just take charge of this stick for me, will you? Right, sir. And uh, handle it very carefully. There's a couple of strands of hair on the end of it, see? We'll need to have them analyzed. Mm -hmm. I'll watch them. Yeah, now, what else is there? Hmm. I wonder if this has anything to do with things. Brown button. Could have been torn off in the fight. Oh, well, they were a little help, sir. You found something? Oh, I almost forgot you were still here. Uh, I don't know, I might have. Oh, but look, you needn't stay around here any longer. We've got quite a good deal to do, so if you want to get on with your work, we can get in touch with you later. But the detectives didn't find much else to help them. The marks of the hobnailed boots, the piece of wood with the strands of hair on it, and the button. That was about all. And so they embarked on a house-to-house -house search of the district. Cars were stopped on the roads, farmers questioned as they worked in the fields, Housewives and children were invited to come forward with any information that might be useful. Somewhere there must be someone with hobnailed boots and clothing that showed signs of recent immersion in water. For the killer had almost certainly rolled into the swamp during the struggle with his victim. Eventually they called at Bruno's boarding house. In the course of their inquiries, they'd heard vague rumours of Bruno's infatuation for Elena. But less determined men might easily have been put off from interviewing him by the good-hearted Mrs. Williams. You really mustn't disturb poor Mr. Bruno. He's a very sick man and couldn't possibly know anything about this dreadful affair. Uh, how can you be so sure of this, Mrs. Williams? Because he's a very nice man. That's uh, hardly enough proof. Then I can give you plenty more. He went to bed before 8 o'clock last night with influenza and he's been there ever since. Were you sitting outside his door all night? Of course I wasn't. Then how can you be sure he didn't go out? Well, how could he when he's so sick? And besides, he was there first thing this morning. He called out to me for help, the poor man. Mrs. Williams, we have no reason to suspect that this man Bruno has anything to do with the death of Tony. Then why pester But him? we do know that we must talk to everyone. Oh, it's quite ridiculous. And isn't the position this? That you saw him go to his room shortly before 8 o'clock last night? Yes, I did. And the next time you saw him was at about 6 o'clock this morning? Well? 
Well, you can't account for almost ten hours. He was sick in bed all the time. But you couldn't swear to that, could you? You only think he was in his room all that time. Yes. Yes, I suppose that's right. Where's his room, Mrs. Williams? <laughs> that one. Over there. Oh, thank you. And uh, try not to regard us as big, bad wolves, won't you? <sighs> Come on, Fred. All right. Yes. Can we come in? Yes. Who... Who are you? We're detectives. Police? That's right. What do you want? We're investigating the death of a man named Tony Malatti. You say Tony is... dead? Didn't you know about it? No, I... I'm a very sick man. Hmm. Uh, they told me you have influenza. <laughs> the influenza... Yeah, that is it. Yes. And uh, last night... You... Last night I, I spent here in my bed. With the influenza, very bad. You didn't go out at all? No. That uh, lumber jacket on the back of the chair, is that yours? Mine? Yes. Looks like you've been swimming in it. Swimming? Wet through. Yes. Uh, that's how I get the influenza. Oh? How? I uh, fall in the creek. When? Uh, yesterday afternoon. And it's still wet through? Oh, I not know about that. Here, feel it for yourself. A couple of buttons missing, too. Maybe. Oh, there are, definitely. So? When did they come up? Oh, uh, I do not know. Hmm. Yeah, my word, look at those boots. Boots? Did you have those on when you fell in the creek? Yes. Big, strong boots, aren't they? I am a working man. I, I need them. Of course. But uh, have a look at this, will you? Where did you get that? Do you recognize it? It is a button. Yes, of course it is. But is it your button? Oh, how do I tell? Do you agree that it matches the button still left on your lumber jacket? I do not think so. I think it's almost a perfect match. Oh, there are plenty other jackets like mine. Yes, there are. Where do you find that one, anyway? On the spot where we believe Tony was killed. I did not kill him. You know nothing of his death at all? No. I in bed all night. All right. But uh, you don't mind. We'll take your jacket and your hobnail boots with us. A report from the scientific section, Sergeant. Thanks. Listen to this. The strands of hair taken from the piece of wood found near the swamp are identical in color, thickness, and texture with hair taken from the head of the dead man. Now, that means we found the weapon, all right. Yeah, it looks like it. But this is even more important. The hobnail boots belonging to Bruno Farini fit precisely into plaster casts of the boot marks found near the swamp. Studs on the soles of Farini's boots are in exactly the same position as stud marks on the plaster cast. It can be said, almost with certainty, that Farini's boots made the prints near the swamp. Yeah, that just about seals it up, doesn't it? Mm, I wouldn't say that, but I think the button and the fact we know Bruno was once in love with Tony's girlfriend gives us sufficient reason to talk to him again. Put on your hat, Fred. I think we've solved a murder. Thank you.
And, of course, they had. Although it was some time before the weight of evidence and his guilty conscience brought Bruno to the point of confession. His ultimate defence was that the killing was not premeditated, but was the result of a quarrel and fight with Tony. He was convicted of manslaughter. A sentence of five years was followed by deportation to his homeland. And Australia will see no more of a man who let down his fellow countrymen and took another man's life. And so good police work successfully concluded another case. And once again, I'd like to remind you that our police force is on the job, on your behalf and mine, every day and night of every year. Let us cooperate with them wherever and whenever possible. Only names, place names and dates were altered in this true story. It was dramatised from the files of the Victoria Police by Roland Strong, who now says goodbye until the same time next week, when there'll be another true story in this series, D24, which is brought to you by the Victoria Police Force and produced in the studios of Hector Crawford Productions by Dorothy Crawford. <laughs>